I have got something on my mind this morning. That's simple. How many of y'all like simple stuff? Are we living in a simple world? Not even close, is it? It seems like everything is so complex anymore. It seems like things are not black and white much anymore. It seems like there's, there's all kinds of shades of gray. And we as the bride of Christ, when it comes to the fabric of who we are, when it comes to the substance of who we are, we need to have a firm foundation because we're living in an age where deceit is all around us. Deception is running rampant. And we're going to talk about some of these things in just a little while, but uh, my heart for you is that you would be established in the faith. My heart for you is that you would know the Word of God in a clear way. And my heart for you is that you would be able to apply the Word of God in, a, in the way that God has intended it and made it to be applied in your life. Because we're entering into an age where if we're not founded, we're going to be blown slam away and I don't think that's a good thing I think that's a bad thing so anyway let's go to 2 Corinthians 11 now let's take a look at this uh, 2 Corinthians 11 now Paul in, 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 in a portion of 2 Corinthians he felt it necessary to try to, what people call, defend his apostleship. His apostleship was being questioned by people. And uh, people, listen, people want to know who you are. People want to know what you're called to. People want to know what you know, your mission and your, your vision is for, for ministry or for life. People want to know, people want to get to know you. But, you know, in, in Paul's case, there were people who were questioning his call by God through apostleship. And so he begins to talk about that. And so a little bit of flavor of that's going to come through. We're not going to read a whole lot of verses here. As a matter of fact, I don't even know how long I may, I may speak this morning, but um, I do have something on my heart I want to share with you. 2 Corinthians, beginning in verse 1. Here we go. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And, and the word espoused there means join. Paul is saying, that, and, and, and this is what ministry does. This is, what, this is the dynamic that happens when people begin um, to be saved and converted. The pastor or the minister, the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher, whoever it happens to be, the person who's preaching the message or who is in charge of a, a church or a body of people, when the message of the gospel goes out and people begins to get saved, he's, he or she should not be joining people to them. And it really should not be joining people to the church what the entire process is about, it's about getting people to Jesus. 
For those of you who know this, this, this ministry, and you've been, you've been here a while, you know that it is not our heart or intention to build our own little kingdom. And we take a different approach than a lot of bodies do. And I understand that. And we have, we have to follow basically what we hear the Lord say and we try to make our decisions based on what the Lord says. Sometimes we're slow in it. Sometimes we mess up. But we position ourselves to try to be teachable from the standpoint of the Lord and the Scriptures and showing us what we need to do. And we talk about various things that we would like to see accomplished and, and, and things like that, but we hope that we never give anybody the, the idea that we're trying to build our own little kingdom out here to get what we want from God or God's people without regard to what the Word says. Okay? That's our heart. And so Paul is saying here, I've joined you to Jesus. And he was distant from the Corinthians. He only went there maybe a couple times. But still, he was responsible for founding the work, getting them started. And he would, he would oversee them from a distance. And he would send people in and out. And he wanted to know of their welfare. And that's why he wrote probably three letters to them. We have record of two, but there's evidence in there to indicate that he actually wrote three. We don't have the first one. We have the second one and the third one. That's a little bit of Bible trivia for you. But if you read it, you'll be able to pick that up. But anyway, he joined these people to Jesus, and he said, I'm jealous over that, which means that he would protect that. Okay, He would protect the fact that he joined them to Jesus because it was a good thing and it was primary to his ministry. Okay, and Here's what he said. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. Now the word beguiled means deceived. We don't use the word beguiled anymore, but it actually means deceived. He said, he said I fear lest by any means as the serpent deceived Eve through his subtlety. There's another word we don't use much. Subtlety. The word subtlety actually means false wisdom. Okay? I fear lest by any means as the serpent deceived Eve through his false wisdom, so your minds should be Corrupted in that word really means destroyed. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent deceived Eve through his false wisdom, so your minds should be destroyed from the simple simplicity, the singleness that's in Christ. This was his concern. They were vulnerable to false wisdom that would come into the camp that would destroy the simplicity of the mind of Christ that was operating in them. Okay, we'll come back to that in just a minute. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you receive another spirit, 
which ye have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, ye might well bear with him, or believe the one who's coming in teaching falsely. That's what that means. Next one. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly, or thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Let's read another verse or two and then we'll come back and we'll get to the heart of this. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. Let's stop right there. Here's the deal. I read one time a, a, a quote on deception. And that's really that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about deception. I read a quote on deception, and the quote went something like this. I can't hit it like, like a hammer hitting a nail square on the head, but this is, this is somewhat close to it. The trouble with people being deceived is they don't know they're being deceived. Now the nature of deception in terms of the way the enemy would deceive us is he doesn't say that Jesus is not the real Savior at one time and we believe it. Those of us who are saved believe that Jesus is the real Savior. He's the one true and only way to God. Okay. Now, Eastern religions and mysticism and, and uh, all that stuff in the earth down through history, they offer their antichrists. They offer a substitute for Jesus. We who are saved know who Jesus is. And the enemy, if he's trying to disturb or if he's trying to corrupt our minds, if he's trying to destroy our our knowledge of Jesus and the truth of who he is, he's not going to come in with a straight up lie. What he's going to do is he's just going to give you little bits and pieces. He's going to give you something to think about that's contrary as opposed to the truth that's been presented. For example, like the enemy did, Paul mentioned that here in this passage, how the enemy did uh, Eve in the garden. He asked the question, he said, what's God said not to eat? The answer was, this particular tree. He said, is that really what he said? What would happen if you eat of it? Is that really what he said? This kind of begins to put those questions in your mind. And so little by little, by the, ins by the ins <laughs> insinuations of the enemy and by the offering up of the thing that causes us to question what God said, little by little by little, deception turns us away from being founded and grounded in what God says, and it turns us toward what the enemy wants us to believe. And you know what I've learned in life? People are gullible. You know what else I've learned? I'm just going to tell you like it is. A lot of times people would rather believe a lie than the truth. There seems to be some more excitement to a lie than there is a truth many times. There seems to be more avenues of, um, of going down the road with a lie than there is the truth. There seems to be more freedom. This is the truth. There seems to be more freedom sometimes in a lie than there is a truth. But we as a people, we have to be founded 
in the truth of what God says. Now, I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his deceptions, so your mind should be destroyed from the simplicity that is in Christ. I'll ask you a question. There's a lot of us on Facebook. I happen to like Facebook. And the reason I like Facebook is because I get to connect with a lot of my friends that I don't get to see. And I, I feel like, and this is true, you can call me whatever you want to call me, but I feel like I can stay connected and I know what's going on in their lives and I keep up to date. And I like that. I'm a social person for the most part. And so I like seeing what my friends are doing, where they're going, how they're enjoying life. But I've got a lot of, <laughs> how to put this, I've got a lot of people who um, like to give a, a, a lot of opinions and a lot of teaching and a lot of writing and, a, and in some cases a lot of air about what the scriptures teach. Y'all got friends like that? They give commentary on the word and, and all this kind of stuff. I got people on my Facebook who, who will give me a prophecy of, for the day. I got people on Facebook who will cloud up my Facebook with all kind of pictures of cats and dogs and bears and butterflies and uh, games. I've took care of the game problem. I've taken care of the game problem. And I'm about to take care of some more problems because I'm beginning to see on Facebook people who, not everybody, please don't get me wrong, okay, and, and, and I'm not talking about anybody in this room, okay. But I'm beginning to see in some areas of Facebook people, people who are mean-spirited. I'm beginning to see people who will, instead of really using Scripture and, and, and sticking to the line about what Scripture says, there's beginning to be little deviations and they're using false wisdom, they're using vain philosophy. They're using big words. They're using convoluted trains of thought that I can't follow. And I'm beginning to get a sense that there is a lot of mysticism. I'm just telling you, I'm telling you about my friends. There's a lot of mysticism and contrary teaching to Scripture by some people who's, whom I'm friends with on Facebook. And I read and I'm seeing it and I know it ain't right because there's something on the inside of me that says this ain't right. This is, a little, this is a little different. This is a little twisted. And I tell you what I'm going to do probably this afternoon or tomorrow. I'm going to put a message on my Facebook to my friends. And it's going to go something like this. The next time I see something that smells like it ain't Scripture and it ain't God, I'm going to take you off my friend list because I'm not going to read the garbage that comes out there. I don't care anything about being persuaded to deviate. You know what happens if you deviate 180 degrees? You know what happens? You have, you're going in totally the, the opposite direction. So if you, take, if you take just a little deviation at a time, what's going to happen after a while is you're going to be headed in the exact opposite direction from where you're supposed to go. She, oh, okay. I just remembered what I read <clears throat> on Facebook. One of my friends put on there, 
if you take a scripture out of context, it's just a con. <laughs> it's just a con. It's just a con. The reason this is so important to me, and I tell you, I've, I've been captured by the urgency of sharing on my heart this thing about deception is that we, there, it's, it's in every quarter of life. Let me tell you how deception works and how it has worked down through the centuries in, in just one area of false teaching. I can almost tell you, when I read behind somebody, I can almost tell you immediately if that person, if, if they're writing something that that's, that's, um, would be labeled Christian, I can tell you immediately if they've been reading the Apocrypha. You know what the Apocrypha is? The Apocrypha is non-canonical books that were written by people years and years and years, centuries and centuries ago, that was supposed Christian writings, but that the people who collected and, and comprised the canon of Scripture, they knew it wasn't, and they left it out. Because it was full of mysticism, Eastern religion thoughts and processes. It was full of vain philosophy and worldly wisdom, false wisdom. And they were able to sense that. They said, we're not having any of this in Scripture, but I can just about tell you who it is that's been reading that stuff whenever they start putting words on a page. Because you can't, if you read that stuff, you're not going to go very far before you start seeing some names of people, quotes, and this very thing or another, that uh, hadn't got any business being in a, in, a, in a Christian commentary of any sort. And if I'm offending you, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not. I don't think I am. But I'm here this morning to sort of stand up on a soapbox and let you know that we need to be careful what we swallow. Need to be really careful. There's some things in our Christian, uh, in our Christian experience, there are some things that we have liberty in that we can just actually, it's okay for, to differ on. But there's some things that we should never, ever compromise. And I'm going to open up the floor this morning. What are some things we should never, ever compromise on? A teaching or a doctrine. Give me some help here. There, the scripture teaches, as Christy just mentioned, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through His Son, Jesus. There are no other saviors. There's no other name given on earth whereby men must be saved. Period. Underline it, put an exclamation point beside it, and if anybody tells you otherwise, it's a lie based on what our faith upholds. Jesus is the way. Salvation. It's God. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. It's a watered-down deity. They, they say Jesus is a prophet. He was a good man. Let's go down... Let's go down a little train here just for example. Yes, Crystal. Salvation is through grace alone, never by works. The virgin birth. The virgin birth. Oh, let's stop there for just a moment. Let's stop there for just a moment. How many of y'all saw the divinity? Just don't answer this question. <laughs> How many of y'all saw the divinity code? The Da Vinci code, I'm sorry. With Tom Hanks. I saw it. I didn't read the book, but I saw it. Huh? I think we saw it. You know what? Hey, it, 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 
it made for a good storyline. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a fast-paced uh, action action movie. You had to, you had to think, you had to engage your mind, you had to, you had to just sort of get into the character and, and, and got to the end and all that kind of stuff. It was a, it was a, it was very much of an, an appeal to everything about who who we are as people and and that sort of thing. But the problem with the Da Vinci Code is that there was this presupposed assumption that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. Or at the very least they had an affair and in the full-blown story that she actually had children by Jesus. And even they even put up the picture of, of the Last Supper. You, I'm sure you all have seen that. And, and, and they presuppose that the person leaning on Jesus' breast was really not John, but it was Mary Magdalene. You know what the scripture says to all that? Ah. If we don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, and he was born of a virgin, and if, if we don't believe that he kept himself pure and undefiled, that he didn't sleep with Mary Magdalene and have kids, if we don't believe, you know, if... We've got to believe that all this fanfare and fantasy, this false wisdom and deception, it'll carry us right away and all that kind of stuff. And I tell you what, I actually believe. This is what I believe. I believe I got some friends on Facebook. If you, if you, not friends, I got some people on Facebook that I subscribe to their news feeds. I really believe that if you put them to the task, if you really nailed it down, I'd probably find out that some of them really don't believe in the virgin birth. Been watching the History Channel. Boy, they all do stuff, won't they? And the Discovery Channel. And so this opens up even a larger subject today. Is that the entire world system, the deceptive force that's loosed in the world, today is as strong or stronger than it ever has because information is so available, so quick, and you can find a commentary on anything long as you Google it and people believe what they read and people believe what they see rather than what God has said. Now, what I'm presenting to you today is sort of an old-fashioned, antiquated message. It's something that the old-timers would say about. How many of y'all, whenever y'all was in church, whether it's Baptist, Methodist, or Pentecostal, or wherever you came from, how many of y'all remember when you were little fellows that they just kept hammering you with the fact that the, the scriptures was the inspired word of God and every word was true. I'm there. I am not ashamed to tell you that I believe that the scriptures were inspired by God and every word is true. Every single word, whether I agree with it or not. You can't believe and not believe. You've got to believe. We can't, we can't put on a face on Sunday and say, this is what we believe, and then, you know, at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, be doing something entirely counter. Just, it's not going to work. It's, it is not going to work because there's a day coming when every work will make itself manifest. And every man's work or every woman's work will be tried by fire. And I'm telling you right now, if you think... If, if you think that's the, the, the last day, you're probably wrong because we're standing in, we're standing in, the, in, in the beginning days of the fire now. 
That's going to happen here. What that means is your faith is going to be tested. What you believe is going to be tested from one end to the other. And if you don't have something solid and secure to stand on, then you're not going to be able to stand there. You're going to deviate and go away. And when you deviate and go away, it's at your own peril. That's why I encourage people to measure what we measure what I preach, measure what I teach. And if it's wrong, please come tell me because you ain't going to hurt my feelings. I want to hear about it. Now we can disagree, listen to me, we can disagree about the millennium. We can disagree about certain aspects of the rapture. We can disagree about some things. And those things, those two things that I mentioned should never be a basis for non-fellowship. Okay? So we have to learn to be Berean in nature. What did the Bereans do? They searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. You've got to be involved in Bible study, reading the scriptures, doing your devotion. Uh, and like I told you, I got mine delivered to my smartphone every day. You've got to be involved in that. You can't wait until you get to church on Sunday to get the truth. You can't afford to wait till Sunday to bring your kids here to go to children's church or go to the back with one of our teachers and get the truth. You can't afford to do that anymore. You can't afford to be a one day a week truth seeker. You and your children have got to be in this thing every day. You've got to be presenting. It's got to be in front of your family every day. And if you detect that it's not, and you start listening to your little kids, they just started the school. I'm so thankful we got teachers in our church. You know, I am not worried about Natasha's students or Tanisha's students or Audrey's students or Monica's students or Sat's students or Judy's students. Yeah, who else we got in here as a teacher? Elsie. I'm, I'm not worried about his students. Okay? But what I am concerned about, I'm concerned about those that have been secured by the false wisdom of the world and they're presenting alternative ways to our children. I'm concerned about that. Maybe, maybe one, day, one of the things that we've, we've dreamed about in the last 12 years is having a school. How incredible, how awesome would that be? It'd be awesome. Guess what? Let, let, let's dream, let's, let's dream a while. We've got a building, we don't even know how big it is. Do we have a school here? Without question. What would it take to have a school here? Well, there's certain legal things that would have to be put into place, but actually all it would take is this. <laughs> and it'll take some money. There's, there's some things we have to have. And you know what? That's a good goal to have. How awesome would it be? To have two or three hundred kids running around here who's spirit-filled and laying hands on folks. Just, we just release them into the earth. Release them into the community. Release them back into their homes. How awesome would that be? But I'm concerned about the false wisdom that's being presented in the world in every area of life and on basically every subject. 
I'm concerned about the truth. And seems to me, the older I get, the more concerned I become. And the more reasons I have. You know? And the other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm getting... I'll be 55 next January. I got that. I'm getting, I'm getting my age right, y'all. That's a big deal. Usually, I used to be like five years ahead. But I'm getting my age right. And I, don't, I really don't think under ordinary circumstances, I'm going to be here 55 more years. No. I'm thinking probably, I got some, I, my time on earth is shorter than it used to be. And as my time gets shorter, the approach or the, the approach of the day when I'm going to meet Jesus is getting nearer and nearer and nearer. Whether he calls me home by death or whether he actually comes and I meet him in the air. But the scripture says that I'm going to have to give an account to him for the things done in this body. Now I don't want to, I don't want to hear a complaint from Jesus that I haven't presented the truth. And that I've actually used false wisdom to lead people astray. Do you, do you know how bad that would be? This, I don't think it could be much worse. And Paul didn't even want, he didn't want to consider that either. There was, there, there's some non-negotiables in life and the truth of the word is one of them. Matter of fact, I think that's probably the chief thing. But it's easy for us to be deceived. And I'll ask you another question, and this is just, don't raise your hands either. Have you ever discovered that you've been deceived on a subject or a thing or an issue, and you thought you were right, you thought you believed what was true, and you found out it wasn't? You've been deceived. I have. You know how sick a feeling that is? And then looking back on it in retrospect, you can see that the signs were there all the time, that it wasn't the truth, but you believed it anyway. It is, it is time that we as the body of Christ begin to respond immediately when an untruth is presented or when deception knocks on our door. Have to respond immediately. We can't wait a day. We can't wait another hour. Because we are living in a critical, critical time. And what happens? Deceit comes in. It works through false wisdom. And what it does is it destroys our mind and the simplicity, the singleness that we have in Christ. Deception and false wisdom destroys. It corrupts your mind. It messes up your thinking process. The scripture says we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. What, is, what does the mind of Christ actually do? What's its function in a believer? The mind of Christ. What's it? What's what's the function there? Pardon? Sees as he sees. And the Scripture says the mind of Christ is designed to take every thought captive. Every every thought, and that goes beyond just just biblical teaching. That goes that goes that goes into every facet of life. We need we need the mind of Christ in full operation. On every subject, so that we would not be deceived. For if he that comes preaches another Jesus, whom you've not preached, 
This is how important it is. So when the person comes with false wisdom and deceit and they preach Jesus whom you haven't heard before, you know what? It ain't Jesus. That Jesus that was supposed to have married Mary Magdalene, I don't know who he is. Okay, I don't have any idea who that is. But I know the Jesus who forgave me of my sins and who died on Calvary for my salvation, my healing, my deliverance, and my life. I know him. But I don't know these other, this other Jesus. All right? If you receive another spirit which you've not received. Now, what's he talking about there? Who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. If somebody comes preaching another spirit that you've not received, i.e. the Holy Spirit, then it ain't the Holy Spirit. So if it ain't the Holy Spirit and they're, they're preaching another spirit that we haven't received, what would that spirit be? It'd be demonic. Which that, <laughs> that would explain a lot of things, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or another gospel which you've not accepted. If someone comes preaching another gospel other than what is contained in the Word, if they preach a gospel that is not pure, if they preach a gospel that is not blood covenant, if they preach a gospel that is works oriented, if they preach a gospel that says um, that everybody on the face of the earth is saved, if it's universalism, it ain't, it ain't the gospel we've received. Yeah, and there is no hell. What would be some other things? What's some other things that's just loosed out there that's available for people just to grasp hold of concerning the gospel? Repentance. I'm going to tell you, this thing about repentance is going to become more and more critical as time goes on. Repent in the name of the Lord Jesus and be baptized for the remission of sins. This thing about repentance is already a hot button issue. Because, you know, and I could just, just do some research. One of the concerns now of mainline denominations is that they have so many people in the church who are not converted. It's, it's causing the decay of their denomination. Okay, let's... let's Yes, it's okay. There's a movement inside, really inside um, contemporary Christianity today, mainstream. It's, 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 it's organized and it's carried out and it's promoted by, by people who are homosexuals, lesbians, gays, whatever you want to call them. And they're presenting this alternative gospel to people. It's, alter it's called an alternative lifestyle, alternative faith base. If somebody has to convince you to leave Bible teaching by offering you something that is, an, that is alternatively faith-based, then it ain't faith. It's something else. 
And I have some good Episcopal friends who, 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 who are just, they are mourning in sackcloth and ashes because their denomination or whatever you want to call it is being fragmented because of, because of this issue. But it's not just an Episcopal issue. It is a main line issue. Now, does that mean we're supposed to hate homosexuals and, and people who are gay? No, that, that, that's not it at all. That's not it at all. No, please don't misunderstand me. But this thing about the truth is critical. And those of you who have kids, young kids, we've got two little grandbabies. It's just, you know, we just love them and adore them and, and we have great high hopes for them. Listen. Those kids, your kids, our grandchildren, your grandchildren, um, we better be pouring something into them. And it needs to be nonstop because if we're not pouring it into them, you know, they're, they're going to hear, I, I would almost venture to say that they're going to hear some of this stuff next week when they get to school. Isn't that sad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I understand. Sure. Yeah. So there you go. And he, he, he said, here's, 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 here's a great phrase of caution here. In, um, at the end of verse 4, he said, If he comes, preach it another Jesus whom you've not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you've not received, or another gospel which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. Paul was recognizing the human tendency to believe a lie. That's the way it was then. That's the way it is now. Because the enemy will craft something so appealing, so juicy, so, um, so right according to logic that it will take you away from the faith. Okay? Take you away from the faith. And so here's where we are today. We need to be, and, 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 and my urging you today is along the line of do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. That's right. It begins at home. It begins at home. Listen, if you've got a good foundation at home, 
God's going to honor that, and they'll be, able to, they'll be able, for the most part, to withstand whatever the enemy throws at them. We've got to develop children of faith, and we've got to be people of faith who will stand for nothing less than the absolute truth. Okay, nothing less than the absolute truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody good? Don't be deceived. And listen, if we see each other being deceived, we need to, we need to go to each other and say, listen, this just ain't right. I'm fixed to cut the cords with some folks on Facebook. Yeah, you need to be careful what you put there anyway because it can be really used against you. It's, it's private information that becomes public and you can't get it back. Is everybody good? Who needs to be prayed for today? We'll be glad to pray for people. There's Crystal for a friend. Okay. Family member of Crystal we need to pray for. Who else? Anybody? I'm sorry, what, Biff? Grandbaby. Oh, it's bad when a little one's sick. So we're going to pray for um, Beverly's grandbaby. What's the grandbaby going to call you, by the way? Do you know yet? It's whatever. <laughs> Warren's mother. She's not doing well. Who else? What else? And his family. Well, I'll tell you what let's do. Um, we've got a little time. I'm going to pray and, um, in a general way. And, you know, when I get finished, if you want to you you pray, that's fine. Um, this is not a, a one prayer person assembly. There's, there's a lot of, you know, we encourage you Friday night that uh, we, really need to, we really need to get on our game as far as prayer is concerned. And we need to share our stuff. And um, you know, I used to get some prayer requests to put out to the intercessors, and I hadn't got any of those lately. So you need to know you can text me, and I can put a I can put a notice out to our intercessors immediately for prayer. Okay, so uh, don't don't take your burdens, don't have, don't struggle along with your burdens by yourself, because God's never intended that. What He's told us to is go to His throne and ask, and we'll receive. I like that, don't you? Father, in Jesus' name, it is such a joy to be able to worship you with brothers and sisters in Christ, with the, with, with the church family that you gave us. And today, dear God, as we come here, we are convinced that heaven's door is open and there is a place where we can bring our needs to and we can find help in time of need. Crystal's family member is in a place where she, she needs help. It is a she. It's a he. Okay, I needed to ask. Where he needs help, Lord. We ask you this day to just, just manifest yourself all the way around him and in him. Give him answers, give him grace, and give him strength to make the right decisions. We pray for Warren's mom who's not doing well. We just ask for a restoration of health and well-being, clear mind, and vigor and vitality so she can be about doing the things that you've set her in this earth to do. So heal her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Beverly's little grandbaby, Lord, was congested. We ask you this day that you heal the congestion and the cause of it, and she never be bothered with that ever, ever, ever again. This baby would be free and clear of any health issues. 
in Jesus' name. We ask you, Lord, for this house, for the decisions that we'll be making in the near future that will infect or it will affect our community, Lord. The good things, the kingdom things, the blessing things. We just ask you, dear God, to show us how this ministry can, can change for good. Not only our homes and us in this ministry, but Lord, the community as well. So give us the wisdom we need as we begin to make decisions. We pray, God, for the Come Alive conference that's going to happen in September. We ask you, dear God that as we begin to make advertisements in the next few days and put it in the paper, that we get phone calls and we get inquiries and that we have people come out here and they take, they take what they will receive and they'll take it back into the community, Lord, and that would be a force for change. We pray for that. We pray, dear God, that you would direct our mission activity and you would, you would direct our ministry activity in a way that would be pleasing to you. And Lord, we, we just pledge before you that we'll do whatever we do for your glory and not our own. Because we want to build your kingdom and not ours. Lord, we pray for our government officials. We're, we're at a time in this nation where uh, we're about to elect officials again. And Lord, we're in a mess. We have drought over most of this country. We have crop failures on most of this country. Lord, I ask you to take what we have in this country and multiply it. I ask you, dear God, to do a multiplication of our harvest, that it would be enough not only for us, but it would be enough for export that we could sell and, and get gain and, and bless uh, not only our country, but other places, Lord, the way you would have a heart for us to bless. So, Lord, we have, we, we have no control over, over the harvest and the yield, but we do have presence of mind to know that you can change things and you can, you can call forth that which is not and make it simply be. And that's what we ask you to do. But we ask you, dear God, to give this country wisdom in the election of, of officers. We just, Lord, we just pray against this this deceptive spirit that's on our country and on our people, Lord. That we are so ready to believe a lie. We are so easily taken captive, Lord, by the enemy. We pray, dear God, that your people rise up. We pray, God, that those called by your name would repent and they would pray the right things at the right time that we could be loosed from this deception and we could be loosed from this in slavery that's enslaving us, that our freedoms would be restored, that there would be a sense of right and truth in our country again, Lord. We're not so far removed away from the truth and the scriptures and, and you, dear God, that we can't be restored. And so we ask you, Lord, for a restoration of the principles of the word to guide our country, to guide our elected officials, to guide our government, to guide our culture and society, dear God. And we just ask you for that this day in Jesus' name. We pray for the salvation of the lost, Lord. Probably the reason the lost aren't looking so much for you today, Lord, in our country is because they don't like, they don't like looking, they don't like what the church is looking like. If that's the case, Lord, change the church. I'm willing to be changed. I, I, I'm willing. 
I thank God that the church needs to repent because we've shown the public something that, that Jesus is not. We need to begin to show the public, Lord, the sinner, the lost, and everybody else, everybody, Lord, we need to start showing them who Jesus is again. And that would probably bring about a lot of the positive things that we need to bring about simply by changing us. So God, change us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.